April 22nd, May 13th, June 3rd, June 24th. These dates ringing any bells? Well, they might if you're an Ontario angler because these dates are all the different fishy openers we have across the province. Of course, these dates may vary depending on where you are in the province, but here in Southern Ontario, these dates are celebrated across all tying tables. With these dates fast approaching, Drift Outfitters and Fly Shop in downtown Toronto is the place to go to get ready for trout, walleye, pike, muskie, bass of the small and largemouth variety. Yes, Drift Outfitters has you totally covered for all your upcoming fishing needs. Stop by the store to chat with the experts themselves and learn how to catch the fish you're after. Or shop online at driftoutfitters.com and enjoy coast-to-coast-to-coast -to -coast -to -coast shipping on all the best products. Find them at 199 Queen Street East in Toronto or online at driftoutfitters.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is uh, April now, and we are back recording another episode. My name is Mitch, and we've got Yilma. Hello, everyone. And uh, Aldo is not here with us today because he's in Mexico, actually. He's on his he's way to Ascension Mexico Bay. right now, yeah, uh, to Ascension Bay, back with uh, Kayla and Casey and, and all those folks. Um, so, yeah, but uh, we're super stoked to be chatting with another guest that we have on the show today. Um, Joseph Jackson is a social studies teacher by day and a fly angler well, 24-7. Uh, if he's not on the water, he's either making plans to get out soon or he's on his way to the water uh, or he's writing about it. He's published widely in the fly fishing magazine world where he and his wife, Emmy, also have their photography featured. Uh, he lives in Anchorage, Alaska, but part of his heart will always belong to the piece of Wyoming he grew up in. Uh, he was last spotted at a gas station somewhere in the last frontier with a fly rod sticking out the back window. It's only, it's only fishing published this year is his first book. Today, he's on SoFly. Joseph, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me, you guys. I'm, uh, I've been listening to your show for, for years and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on. So, Oh, no way. Rad. Okay, great. So yeah, you know yeah. that you know what you're in for then. You know you're not going to be disappointed. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right on. You're um, in for a factor fishy at the end there. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We're super stoked to chat just about... Uh, Actually, I don't know if we've really talked much about Alaska on the show. Like, we've really only, I think, talked about it with Mark Kurlansky one time about his book Salmon. But okay. other than yeah. that, we haven't touched the Alaska fishery, so it's gonna be cool to just get to chat about that. But, uh, but of course, yeah. Like, firstly, where where are you calling in from? You're in Anchorage right now. Eh? I'm in Anchorage, Alaska, right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right on. What's where the? There's uh, still plenty of snow. Yeah. Okay. That was just about so. to ask. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, it's how long you been out in Anchorage for? Um, my wife and I moved here two years ago. Before that, we were in Fairbanks, which is even farther north, you know, that's like right. deep interior Alaska. So, uh, the winters we're used to, but I mean, you don't get used to how much it limits your fishing time, you know? So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. But, so you're no stranger to like, you know, winter brutal weather or anything like that. Oh yeah. Having to wait it that. out till, till May. I mean, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, okay, well, maybe, like, before we get into, like, the book and Alaska and, like, all these really cool topics, we just talk a little bit about, you know, your background, where you kind of came from. You mentioned in your bio there that you're from Wyoming. Um, is that, like, born and raised in Wyoming, learned to fish there as well? Yeah. Um, so, I was actually born in, in Colorado, but okay. when I was when I was seven or eight, you know, my, my family moved to Wyoming. So, I consider that to be where I, I grew up, you know, and um, of course, yeah, I was, was reared with fishing from an early age, not fly fishing specifically that, uh, 
that came along a little later, but um, I don't know. It's kind of funny when I tell people I'm from Wyoming, they say, oh, you must be, you know, familiar with like the Gray Reef and Miracle Mile, like all of the, you know, renowned Wyoming yep. sections and rivers. And I didn't really fish, fly fish very much at all. I didn't really know much about it until I came to Alaska for college in uh, 2014. And then, then it really kind of took off there. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Been here ever since. So Wyoming. Yeah. I mean like Wyoming seems like such a wild place. Like where, whereabouts in Wyoming did you grow up? This I haven't been there, but it doesn't seem like there's a ton of people in Wyoming. No, no, that's that's one of the reasons I, I love it. And, and, you know, I'm proud to say I was raised there. But, uh, yeah, we're, I was in the southeastern part of the state. So okay. kind of right up against the Nebraska border, uh, you know, geographically, which in terms of fly fishing, I mean, we had some pretty famous water like an hour or two north of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, most of the really famous Wyoming fishing was like complete opposite corner of the state. So. Right. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. That might have had something to do with the fact that I fished for, you know, catfish and carp just, you know, plunking than I than I did with fly fishing. So Yeah. So that's kind of how you got into fishing. It was carp, it was carp and kind of those yeah. types of species. And what was um, available, yeah. And how did you get into fly fishing? So my my dad, you know, he had it was kind of the typical story. He had a couple fly rods and a couple old fly reels and you know, right. just kind of going through his stuff. I I wondered about it cuz it was so different from, you know, the spinning reel, spinning rod that I was familiar with and He's like, well, show you how to do it and showed me a little how to fly fish. But what he was what he was really into is fly tying. Um, And that that caught my attention immediately. That was that was awesome. And I was learning how to tie all these flies as a kid and um, started wanting to put him to use, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, asked for a fly rod for Christmas, was lucky enough to get it and just kind of went from there. You know, I had I had these boxes of flies that I'd just been tying without really knowing what they were destined for. and just yeah it happened that way so it's cool i mean yeah like i feel i kind of feel i I got into it similar like tying was a big part of when i got into it you know it's weird how that happens but tying's so sick too you know i don't it is do you do it much these days ty or i do i do yeah yeah. um we uh my wife and i just bought a house so i've kind of been that's kind of uh tamped down my capacity to fly tie you know i don't have a a devoted fly tying space just yet but yeah i'm excited because i know where it's going to be and i know how it's going to be set up but yeah what are you what are you tying because i'm assuming Uh, you'll be targeting something soon yeah i'm tying king flies right now that's kind of our uh that's what i'm looking forward to i just got a I'm pretty new to spay fishing, but I love it to death. That's that's yeah. like my new favorite. I'm head over heels for spay fishing, so I've been been tying a bunch of king flies up and hoping hoping they find the mouths of something come June. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're so. in good company. I mean, I, I I mean, I'm not the biggest lover of spay spay fishing, and but you know, I do like it. In you know, I like to when I'm in the mood to relax and sure, you like it cold. Easy. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a problem. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, if I lived in BC, I'd probably like it more because the weather patterns change. But in Ontario, yeah. the spay fishing is when it get, gets cold for steelhead. Okay, and, yeah. Um, yeah, Mitch is, that's, if Mitch could spay fish for the rest of his life, I think he would, so. Okay. <laughs> spay fish is awesome, I love it. Yeah. 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 That's Kings, sweet, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Well, fishing for kings, too, I don't know. I, I may have been uh, just... Uh, lucky the last couple of years because the weather's the weather's been awesome like late may early june you know sometimes you get dumped on rain but as far as just having to stand there and cast like i couldn't ask for better conditions you know so yeah absolutely um yeah i have what i have yet to land a king on my spay rod i hooked one after like 
three days of solid effort and he got off so hey that that's a Must that's a good uh, re- yeah yeah <laughs> feeling that it's, pull you know it's measured yeah, exactly. in in grabs you get right not fish oh, yeah. yeah yeah totally. exactly yeah the grab yeah. counts you know you, you fool the fish it's great yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's it um okay so how'd you get I mean, to alaska you, you said school was it school you did up there well, sort of. It's it's always kind of a long story, Mitch. But yeah. um, I in high school, I went to Washington D.C. for like some youth conference about electric cooperatives. You know, like how you okay. get power to your house and stuff. Yeah, it's one of those youth programs, basically. And I went from Wy- for Wyoming. My wife, my wife girlfriend at the time, yeah. um, she went for Alaska, um, and we met in Washington D.C. and did the long distance relationship through high school, and then. Wow. When it was time to go to college, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do, but you're in Alaska, so I'll come to Alaska. What the heck? So Wow, that's crazy. Uh, that yeah, crazy. and it's yeah. it's worked out. We got married in 2018. And, um, Congrats. Yeah, thank you. It's 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 been a ride. I'm, I'm glad to have ended up in Alaska. It's, it's funny. Wyoming and Alaska, even though they're so different in a lot of ways, they also seem really similar in a lot of ways, too. Mm-hmm. So, Like, what similarities do, like, do they share? Like, I think just, like, self-sufficiency, the sense of right. self-sufficiency mm-hmm. in, its, in its people, yeah. you know, because Wyoming's got the lowest population, but Alaska's got the lowest population density. So it's right. like you learn to rely on yourself and you learn to yeah. kind of appreciate the state for for what it is and what it has, you know, rather than the cities and, you know, stuff right. that, that gets built on it. So um, that's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah they're both pretty remote wild mm-hmm. places, you know, like, is there a sense of that in Anchorage? Like I haven't been, but is it like, uh, like what, what is Anchorage like? It's, it's a city, but I mean, you know, you can, you can drive an hour and, and hike a little bit and you can, you know, be the only person for miles, like, right. like wilderness and, and solitude or, kind of right out your back door sort of thing yeah um, looking at the views it's just, it's gorgeous it's pretty crazy yeah, yeah yeah um i like anchorage i mean it's it's still jarring to me to be in a big city because i grew up in a town of 500 people you know yeah um and my wife she's she's even smaller she grew up in Glen allen alaska which is it's pretty out there it's on the road system but her graduating class was six students no so, way what yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um, how far so from we, anchorage is that like is that just like uh, it's like well you know the typical way to to show it is yeah. you know that and uh i suppose anchorage would be like here okay ish and then so Glen allen would be kind of like here. Okay, so just kind of like out in the woods kind of more yeah. remote i see yeah yeah uh, okay 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 that's so we're both we're both familiar with the rural lifestyle so getting getting dropped in you know, big city yeah. Anchorage. They call it Los Anchorage up here in Alaska. <laughs> um, and so getting dropped here is, it's, we're getting used to it, but yeah. I don't think we'll ever be totally used to it. Well, it sounds like it's the kind of place for people like that, right? Who want yeah. sort of the chill lifestyle, but then also it's got amenities. So it's like, you know, you can, you can do stuff in Anchorage. And, and then later, yeah. of course, you can move, if you want, you can move even more remote, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, and it's nice because it's pretty central too. Like you can access the Kenai Peninsula right. a couple hours. You know, you can go to interior if you need to. And if you're doing anything fly out wise, like right. we got the international airport here. So yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anchorage. I mean, yeah. I've been looking at Anchorage a lot lately just because uh, actually not for fly vision, but I've been getting into motorcycles. I've been getting into okay. motorcycles lately. And oh, I've been watching a lot of people God. do the, 
do the uh, Anchorage to Prudhoe Bay, like, oh, like yeah. the Dalton Highway thing. And I'm like, that's an that awesome looks, highway. You should do that. Yeah. That looks so cool. I can't yeah. believe so you're I, getting a bike, man. I want to go to Anchorage just to do that. <laughs> yeah, I bought a bike yesterday. I'm pretty stoked. Okay. Well, congrats on that. That's Welcome cool. to so Bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck fly fishing. Um, no, that's cool, man. Alaska seems really, really neat. Um, okay. So, like, in terms of, um, well, maybe we'll talk about the book. Why don't we talk okay. about the book? This is sure. your first book that you've published. Uh, it just came out this year, right? Like this is fresh off the presses. Yeah, January tenth. So there you go. Yeah, um, and maybe like just give us a little bit of background on what the book's about yep. um, for people listening and, and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so basically, in 2020, you know the whole the whole COVID deal. Yeah. Um, I'd been fly fishing, writing about fly fishing rather for a while up to that point. You know, just here and there for for magazines, and realized I really loved it. Yeah. Um, and got introduced to the the writing of John Gearock, Ted Leeson, you know, um, those those sage guys um, yeah. and thought, this is awesome. I would love to be able to, you know, try my hand at that. And so I thought, you know, this this summer being what it is, I'm going to write an essay for every single fishing trip I go on. And That's I don't cool. I don't know what's going to come of it. Like I might be able to turn some of them into magazine articles, but I really had no goal beyond that. Um, and so I did that, uh, you know, I, I fished just like I normally would, but I, I brought a notebook with me. I took notes and wrote a story. And then by the end of it, I realized, Hey, I could make a book out of this that would be similar to, you know, what, what Girock writes and, and Ted Leeson wrote, um, just in that sort of vein, I'm by no means comparing, comparing my, uh, my quality to those guys, but right, you know, the just format, same style. The style of, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought I'll, I'll send it to a few publishers and um, luckily uh, kind of an Alaska Pacific Northwest publisher, Epicenter Press, picked it up. Um, and I've been, yeah, having fun with that ever since. So, yeah, it's basically just a, a summer of a, of a, you know, normal Alaskan fisherman. I didn't take any fly out trips. I'm kind of a kind of a dirt bagger. I mean, I was fairly fresh <laughs> out of college and I was transitioning careers at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was all road system based. But. Um, I think a lot of people can identify with that just because, you know, sure. Alaska is like one of the most expensive places to, you know, do the, the lodge stays and the flyouts. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah there are time. other ways to do it, though. So I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, that. you know, doing it by road sounds like really cool. And you get to see parts of the wild in a way that you wouldn't from a plane, you know, like, of course, a bush yeah. plane's awesome. But yeah, yeah. something about driving like into the woods is pretty intimate. Cool. It is. You know. Yeah. 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 And then, I mean, through that, obviously I explore a bit of like the road systems sort of character, right. you know, what, what that looks like. And, um, just kind of my own character too, you know, it's like a reflection on my life and a way yeah. to, to cope with that, with that season. I mean, the pandemic thankfully wasn't particularly hard for me. It threw wrenches into my, our plans, obviously, cause yeah. I was transitioning from a, uh, my steady job into a career in, in teaching and, and, so that was kind of difficult, but you know, fishing was like the constant thing that I had to sort of stay rooted. So yeah, there's a bit of, nice. bit of that commentary in there as well. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great Mitch, idea. Like I love that. Pause format. for a second. I yeah, just got to plug in my, com- I got to plug in my computer. <laughs> Please plug it in, plug away. We'll, we'll keep chatting. We'll keep chatting. Um, I love that format. Like that's great. Like just, uh, and it almost makes like the process of writing a book cause it's your first one. Like maybe a little less daunting or were you, was that not really an issue? You were like, fuck it. I know I'm going to write a book either way. Yeah, no, it wasn't an issue. And in fact, I'd written book length stuff before. Um, just, I mean, you know, like novels that I have tried unsuccessfully to pitch to, to literary agents and stuff. But, 
um yeah i just i did it kind of because i love i love writing and i love sort of the reflective qualities of it you know it's you can take a video you can take pictures when you're fishing or doing whatever you love but i for me i found that nothing captures it nothing will ever capture it perfectly but for me the written word is kind of the the next best thing to you know totally. living it so and it's also like um such a great way to almost be able to go and have these adventures with bigger purpose you know mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like you know like john john Girak, like we had him on the show and he said the same thing he was like um uh he said uh, people, there's some people that are just so like in love with what they do that they have to come back and like write about it, you know? And like, mm-hmm. so he spends like, you know, he spends like six, eight months of the year fishing. And then he spends those other months writing about that times he was fishing and just reliving those moments, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's like a really rewarding, fulfilling thing, you know? Uh, I totally. Yeah. 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 That was a big part of it for, for me. And I, I found it tough just because, you know, I was, I was fishing like constantly that year. Um, mm. I have a line in the book where, you know, this whole teleworking thing that everyone got so familiar with, it's it's really just the perfect excuse to fish on weekdays. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I was like totally. fishing constantly and, and trying to have to manage the writing that was going on at the same time, you know? So I'd have yeah. like five or six past fishing trips that I was still writing about, just trying to, you know, yeah. get in those various head spaces that I was in, you know? Um, I love that. No, and I mean, and again, like when you make it kind of, when it's like, I got to fish to write this book. And then that's kind of part of my job, you know, yeah, like, yeah. or we got to go fishing because we do this podcast and that's like, it's like our job, you know, yeah. like we got to fish. Yeah. <laughs> it gives it this like greater purpose, it but does, it's like yeah. writing and podcasts. Like it's similar. Like I know what you're saying about the whole, like nice way to kind of capture a fishing trip. Cause the thing with video and pictures, it's like when you're in it, it's like, oftentimes you really have to focus on video and pictures. Yeah. And it's like, you're not really in the moment of the fishing per se. Exactly. You know? Whereas yeah. if you're just writing about it or po- talking about it after on a sh- podcast or something, you can really be present. And then later you just kind of relive it, you know? So it's like, I, that's what yeah. I love about the podcast. I've written it, but it sounds kind of, I know what you mean when you say. Yeah. Nail yeah. on the head. You know, For sure. Kind of relive it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny. I actually have a background in video production. Like that's what my first, you know, big job out of college was, was managing a couple of video studios. And, yeah. and people would always ask me, you know, why don't you like film your, fly fishing trips and it's like i just i've tried and it didn't last long like i'm yeah. just too in love with the the fishing and the experience to be worried about a camera ah yeah. i feel it man i know like yeah. you know i think it a, a lot of the time our video stuff has probably suffered for that reason too because we want to just be fishing <laughs> yeah. and yeah. we want to be in the moment you know and so we've tried to find like ways of or our fishing formats suffered. that <laughs> Or the fishing right. suffered, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Gotta get this really cool yeah. shot, you know. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it is it is tough to you know when you see these like really cinematic fishing films. It's like the people shooting are like they're really just focused on you know, and the people fishing too. Like it's really much more of a production versus like yeah, really capturing like a real you know. So it's hard to like really capture a real moment because it's everything you have to stage it because that's just the way shooting stuff works, you know. Right. Sure. But writing is such such a cool way to capture it. Yeah, it's all after the fact. You can think about it and process things. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so it was like basically like a full year of of essays. It was just 2020 kind of year. Basically, yeah. I mean, with our fishing season, it was like May to October, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so why don't we go kind of through what a fishing season in Alaska looks like? Because, like, I really have no idea. And we haven't really talked about it uh, on the show, so curious. So yeah, right now I'm thinking about 
steelhead and and grayling like those are kind of the first well and some and some rainbow trout those are kind of the first opportunities that that pop up um last week of april early may steelhead uh on a limited basis become available um down on the kenai peninsula and then of course like i'm sure you've heard of like the sea tuck river and all those you know vaunted southeast alaskan rivers um you know people are flying there now they're that fishery is picking up so um there are those opportunities um coming from fairbanks all i really ever had was was grayling which i've got i'll always have a soft spot for those grayling but um there's some of the first arrivals in so late april early may they are they're gorgeous fish that's cool um, you say and they're running like they're running fish so they, they have they have some spawning runs but they you know as they're moving you can kind of intercept them in the in the bigger rivers that are ice free wow. um cool. so yeah. yeah that's that's always been the the first opportunity to itch the cabin fever, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's a great then fish rainbows. to sort of kick things off though, man. Grayling, like that's such a yeah. foreign, foreign fish to us. I know a lot of people don't have a shot at catching those. So no. it's pretty cool. That's a special yeah. fish. Yeah. And they're, I don't, I don't want to say I take them for granted, but I probably do just because they're, you know, they're so common. Like they're the bread and yeah. butter fish of, of Alaskans, you know? Right. So, yeah. 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 Um, that's cool. Yeah. But then rainbows, they'll start showing up to, you can kind of get them in a window before they before they start spawning, and then leave them alone till like second week of June. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be kind of a tough tough nut to crack. So I mean, there's always the potential, though, right? That's that's really all I'm looking for in the spring. Once the ice is out, is like the potential, like an excuse to get out there and cast. So exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll that's be cool. steelhead, grayling, or trout. I'm not sure exactly which one will be what first. Chapter, me, but. Yeah. What chapter? What chapter is the grayling in? Because I love these titles red yeah. shirt oh um, yeah uh when see, i, I die, tell my here, wife to blame <laughs> jeremy Lane. <laughs> that's a good one um let's see good news that's about grayling um first chapter well yeah mm-hmm. i mean and you can kind of base it on on the season too like i'm yeah early in the season of course grayling were the target for me so the first so two chapters sense, yeah. are about grayling yeah yeah um and then I think I just kind of address them like incidentally throughout, you know, the rest of it. Um, yeah. Right. So the I, chapters are kind of written like, well, each of the chapters obviously written for what you were chasing at that time. And, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it is, it is funny that you mentioned that Yoma cause it's like, yeah, you can look, you can look through my book and I can tell you just based on where I was and what I was targeting exactly like the month and oftentimes mm-hmm. the day that I was probably doing it, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, but then once those, you know, kind of intermittent fish come and go, then you start getting salmon runs, which is always exciting. Um, you get the, Slave to the sockeye. The, <laughs> slave to the sockeye, yeah. That's my <laughs> one of my favorite chapters. Because um, sockeyes, I, I love those fish. They start showing up in some places like early, first week of June in some places, and then typically by the third week it's really peaking. And then um, kings kind of along with them late May, early June. And then if it's a if it's a pink year, which is every even numbered year in my part mm-hmm. of Alaska, so this this year we'll get a break from the the big massive armies of pink salmon coming in, but um, they start coming in, chums start coming in, and then by August September you have the cohos, the silver salmon coming in, um, and that's when it gets pretty exciting, um, and you feel you wish for more hours in the day, and more days mm-hmm. in September. Yeah. Um, to you know catch trout and and steelhead and silvers yeah, too so yeah yeah that's cool 
That's kind of the, the the Alaskan fishing season in a in a nutshell there. I dig it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it really is all cold water species. Like you're not out there fishing for bass or pike or anything like that. Pike. I actually the red shirt chapter. That's about pike. Okay. Um, but they're, okay. yeah, interior. There's a lot more opportunities for for pike. So up by Fairbanks, but um, in Anchorage in South Central, they're actually considered an invasive species. So they're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're the opportunities are there, but you just have to work a little harder for them. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So Kings is kind of like the thing you're most excited for right now because you're tying up lots for that. Yeah. 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 And like I said, I just recently got into the into the spay yeah. game. One of my one of my buddies who is uh, mentioned in chapter 17, Sisyphus and Steelhead. Uh, he really got me excited about steelhead and and spay fishing. So hence yeah. the hence the spay route and hence the uh, new obsession mm-hmm. for king salmon. So yeah. yeah, I dig it. I dig it. That's cool, man. So what was like uh, some of the challenges you faced when writing this this book, you know, because, you know, I mean, it is obviously like you're going out and you're fishing and, and the, the conditions are going to kind of dictate yeah. a little bit of the story. So, yeah, what, what were some of the challenges? Was that ever kind of a, a thing, the fishing itself? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I would say just just figuring out how to tell a story that was, I don't know, honest and worthwhile after the mm-hmm. fact, because... I mean, I mentioned in the in the introduction to my book, like this does not include everything that I wrote. Um, mm-hmm. I tried to edit it and not include stories that I felt were slop. You know, I tried to cut yeah. those things out as you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a challenge to just think about how can I make this meaningful, not only to myself, but in the event that someone reads this after the fact, how can I make it impactful to them too so they can take something away from it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and oftentimes I found the answer to that was just being as specific and honest to, you know, my identity as a fly fisher. And I don't quite know what that means, but like I say, I'm kind of a dirt bagger. I do, I do things in my own way. Um, you know, I get up super early and I stay out super late just trying to avoid other people. But I think a lot yeah. of, I think a lot of us can identify with, with that, you know, trying to seek that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. um, yeah. just striving for that honesty, which is, always difficult you know and especially after the fact too like trying to do as much justice to the fishing trip as it was as possible you know and here i am looking at it in reflection rather than you know living it um yeah that was that was kind of a challenge and then too yeah having having plans for things that i maybe wanted to write about or directions i wanted to take a story um and we of course we all know fishing doesn't always play out exactly as you want it to I mean, For if it sure. did, if it did, there wouldn't be much point going, right? You might as well just yeah, totally, yeah, all catching, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, just having to sort of match what I what I thought the story was going to be with what the story turned into, and and be okay with that. That was kind of a challenge but yeah because you didn't because you kind of set out with an idea in mind the first Mm -hmm. story right but then you saying like as it kind of went went as you went through the year the the writing process the story sort of changed became its own thing you had to just sort of accept that yeah exactly and i mean it's kind of like it's kind of like the practice of writing itself you know like you sit down and you have an idea of what you want to do but you kind of you kind of have to tell yourself this is never going to be as good as i imagine it is going to be right now um, and once you can accept that and get over that, I think you'll be okay. But getting over that hump can be difficult, whether it's writing or, or having a fishing trip. I feel like the least, the fewest expectations you can go into it with, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a good point. What do you What do you hope people like take away from the book? Like reading the book, what do you want people to feel? What do you want them to sort of think after the fact? 
that's that's a thinker there that's a that's a stumper for friday afternoon um <laughs> yeah yeah I, don't, I guess just yeah <laughs> i mean i guess it could just be pure entertainment right like hey i just yeah, want people to pure entertainment i mean stories, something to get get them through the winter because i know you know i know all too well looking out in your yard and seeing three feet of snow and thinking oh man summer's never getting here you know yeah. um and just being able to read a book i mean i know the value that i take from you know gearox books um is is that oftentimes just sheer entertainment like getting me through the winter but then i don't know i guess kind of the title hints at this too like it's only fishing like don't take yourself don't take this hobby so seriously all the time you know like Mm -hmm. just enjoy it for what it is like learn learn what it has to teach you and and just sort of go with the flow i mean that's i think if i took anything away from the the pandemic here and then just fly fishing itself is just kind of go with the flow like be be flexible and um yeah try and be open to anything because it'll surprise you how how good it can be if you just let it happen you know yeah and like don't be too protective of you know what what your ideals are yeah like yeah for sure and that's that was a hard one for me because I know I, I have had that before where I go into something with expectations and yeah. they're not met and, you know, with fishing trips and I, I get disappointed and I judge it a failure when, you know, I got out, I got out on some pretty amazing streams and maybe I didn't catch fish, but I got some pretty good consolation prizes with like, you know, cool birds I saw or just, you know, yeah. getting to breathe clean air, you know, for a change. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's always an adventure, you know? Yeah. It is. Yeah. No matter what, yeah. which is always good. It's never yeah. the same, um, you know. Yeah. Just like every river, every year changes. Every fishing yeah. trip is, you know, expect the unexpected. Good point, though. Like, yeah. like the pandemic, like COVID itself, like really did kind of do that to everything, you know. Like, yeah, I don't know if it, like how you feel about like. I mean, I don't know, Yilma and I for sure. We can probably both agree that changed our perspectives about our jobs and and mm-hmm. you know when you say taking things like really seriously, it's like it did. I think help a lot of people just put life in perspective a little bit you know absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, i mean i think to along those lines like the book sort of did that for me like life is life is chaos just you know write it and make the best of it and that's kind of what this this book was like i said i had no idea what it was going to be when i started out and Mm -hmm. it yeah it wasn't something i could plan i just had to let happen and be okay with so yeah it was a good challenge for me helped me help me grow i think so yeah for sure yeah. Um, okay. Can we talk about a couple like standout stories from the book? Like, yeah. let's just uh, pull Love a couple to. of your favorites out and just let's just talk about them. Yeah. Um, so Yoma, you already mentioned one, "Slave to the Sockeye." Um, that's that's one of my favorites for a lot of reasons. Um, it really hits home for me because I mentioned my wife's family is from the Glen Allen area, um, and the Copper River drainage, which goes right through there, that gets. Um, in my opinion, the coolest run of sockeye salmon in the entire state of Alaska. And I know like people on the Kenai and the Fijak in Bristol Bay, they're probably shaking their fists at me right now, but the Copper River, uh, it's got the steepest elevation gradient in terms of like the watershed, like the salmon. I think that translates to the salmon have to work a lot harder. Um, and right, you probably literally like the river is almost like up yeah up yeah yeah cool. it's it's fairly short i mean as rivers go but it, the yeah. discharge is just incredible for that river and um it's just super impressive to be on it um and to imagine fish like going up this thing every year to spawn just to die yeah. at the end of it right. um 
so I really respect the fish. Um, and being and they, end that, their, they end their life with like crazy feet, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. They, they're like fighting to the end and then they die. It's like, geez, yeah, it is know. respect, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's admirable. Right. Um, but yeah, my, my wife's family, my in-laws now, they live so close that, um, you know, I can drive like 10 minutes and be, be fishing the Clutina river, which is one of my favorite tribs of the copper. Um, and that's what that chapter slave to the sockeye is about is just getting up every single morning for a couple of weeks to go out there and see if the sockeyes are running. Cause that's one of those rivers. It's not clear. It's a glacial river. Okay. And so you have no idea unless you're there fishing, if the salmon are there or not. Yeah. Right. Cause the glacial rivers, like basically they just look like those blue kind of chalky chalky. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've seen, I've seen photos, but I don't know. I've never seen one in person. So you just can't spot fish. No, not at all. It's like, it's like fishing in a protein shake, I think is what I, <laughs> is what I yeah. make the comparison to. Um, but the run can just be like a light switch, you know, one day, one day it's on and the next it's not. And yeah, if you're not there fishing, you have no idea. Right. Um, and so there. hence getting there. Yeah. Every morning and it can be a crowded river. And like I mentioned earlier, I kind of like try to avoid other people as much as possible. So I'd be getting up one, 2 AM and, and fishing there every day, which after a while kind of turns into a zombie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, just that experience I feel like was so, I don't know. It's, it's, I was like treating it like a job, you know, I had to get up and I had to do this. Yeah. Um, it was challenging and drew a lot of, I don't know. I feel like profound thoughts out of me. Um, which reading back, I don't think, I don't think any of them were dishonest or like pretentious or anything. I think they all, they all stood up to, you know, going back and rereading, but I mean, there's something about that process of like working really hard for a yeah. fish like that, that does make you like quite reflective and, you know, like, yeah, you're coming up with all kinds of stuff, you know, totally. like, when you're, when you're in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and lots of time to think because fly, well, I don't fly fish for sockeyes. That's kind of my exception, but, mm-hmm. um, just because you're using so much weight to get down to bottom. Right. Um, right. So I'm, I'm actually using a spinning rod, but anyway, it's, it's basically just making drift after drift after drift, um, and gives you a lot of time to think. And, um, I happened to meet, uh, a pretty interesting guy when I was getting up early on those, those mornings, he would actually get up earlier than I did. And he, I'd, I'd pull up to the bridge and I'd see his, his little car there every day before me. And it, it kind of became, we were like strangers, but friends at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, We'd like run into each other, see how we did, you know. That yeah, sort so you'd of actually thing. chat and stuff yeah, like that. We'd have we'd have little small talks, and it just kind of developed over those couple of weeks. Um, and uh, finally, like I I learned his name, he learned mine. You know, we I, <laughs> the the line in the book is like, if there was ever a handshake to break pandemic protocol for it, was that one. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I shook hands, just talked a lot, and. Um, then I kind of broke my streak of getting there every morning because I actually went dip netting in the Copper River um, to get what's more sun. Yeah, what's dip netting? Yeah, so it's it's kind of an Alaska. I think it's allowed in parts of British Columbia too. Actually, I'm not sure, but okay. Um, it's like a you. So it's literally you have a giant net. I think it's typically like four feet, a four foot wide net mm-hmm. um, on like a 14 foot handle, and you're literally sticking the net in the water and netting salmon. Oh, whoa. Um, oh, whoa. Yeah, and there's there's some limited fisheries for it. Uh, the Copper River, the Kasilov, and the Kenai 
I, but there might be some others, but those are kind of the three main rivers that you can put in for a, a personal use dip net permit for. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the copper is kind of the ultimate just because it's such a big river. It's, it's actually pretty dangerous. A couple of people usually drown every year doing that. Oh, um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty intense, but I, I was going with a friend of mine um, that weekend and it kind of broke my streak of getting up early to actually fish with rod and reel for these sockeyes, you know. Um, And my fear was, the whole day I was dip netting, my fear was, I'm going to show up tomorrow and John, the guy, the fisherman I met, his his vehicle is not going to be there, you know. And sure enough, I went back the next morning and and he was gone and, and my last line of the chapter is, it was the first time in my life I was disappointed that someone didn't beat me to the river you know <laughs> yeah. just because nice. we'd we'd nice. we'd establish yeah. that sort of friendship yeah. you know just being on the river um i like that and yeah it was it was a pretty cool pretty cool experience yeah. like one you couldn't if you were writing a novel i don't think you could think of a cooler scenario than that yeah. so it was pretty pretty neat that's As awesome neat. has he read that chapter i don't know if he has i, ha- <laughs> I haven't been able to track him down i never got a last name he just i just knew He's, him by john yeah. and he knew me by joe so John, if you're out there, I've got a book for you. He's in a book. You got yeah. hopefully maybe he's listening. Hey, if he's listening, I'll be awesome. yeah. Go back I called to that him, spot with the book and see if he's there. Yeah, yeah. I called. I called him the samurai before I knew his name because yeah. he had a his vehicle was a Suzuki samurai. Nice. So I, yeah. Nice. He had a, he had an alter ego until I I knew his name. The That's salmon cool. samurai. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was a pretty good fisherman. He'd usually come out with his limit. So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Dip netting, Mitch. That's a new one. Dip netting. Yeah, dip netting. I've never heard of well, that. Well, yeah. Before. The wow. the following chapter, if you want to learn more about dip netting, chapter eight is all about dip netting. So okay. Cool. Yeah, that, that was net and fish out of rivers. Like net wow. and fish out of rivers. Yeah. <laughs> so when Most we see it on fish. Google and we're like, "What the hell are these guys doing?" It's actually. Yeah a permit though and it's actually regulated so yeah it is yeah you have to you can get i think 20 or these regulations might have changed since i did it but you can get 20 for every member of your household so i could get i think 40 for my wife and i um i ended up getting between three of us we got 60 fish i think in the course of a day um, oh. And you have to you have to be very careful about clipping their tail fins a certain way so you can you know identify them as being dip net caught and not sport caught. Yeah. Um, oh. And so that's how you know fish and game tells. Um, but right. it's a it's a limited window too. You can't do it all summer. It's like a couple of weeks that it's open for. Um, okay. And they'll you know based on run sizes they're seeing they'll close it down by emergency order you know sooner mm-hmm. than right. than planned if needed. So. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting little Alaskan yeah. quirk there. Well, it's yeah. a cool story in general. Like, I mean, I love the idea of, of the you know just those like kind of friendships you have with people on the river that uh, you know you're there at the same time and slowly you yeah. know each other if you see each other more and more. I mean, I feel like that's uh, it is like a weird sort of just little it is a weird encounter with a person because like you're both like in a really good mood. You don't know each other. You're doing the same thing, so you have this really you know specific shared interest. Right. Uh, and yeah it's, about, yeah. I, it's happened to me and I like I know exactly what you're talking about, you know, where you see the same person day after day and Yeah. And then you're just sharing flies and you're you know, like you're giving mm-hmm. each other a pool, you can take that pool, I'll take this pool. Yeah. It's funny. You become buddies and then you just yeah. never and then you don't see each other for like nine months, you know. <laughs> it's like a next cla- season, yeah. It's like a classic iconic fish story. And a little bit of a 
uh, aside, not really. It's on the same topic. I remember a Family Guy episode. <laughs> that guy just said because <laughs> I know Mitch probably watched it. But there was an episode where you know, you know, how they do the cutaways. So Peter's on a boat, and he doesn't. He's just he has a fishing buddy that he just meets on on the lake, and they fish in the boat. They say nothing the entire time, and they do this over and over again, year after year, and then. <laughs> And he's the only one at at the funeral when the other guy passes. But it's like this genuine moment of like two buddies who don't know anything about each other, but they come together through fishing. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I have to say, I'm. I don't know. I feel like a curmud- a curmudgeon before my time, especially when I'm fishing, because like you know my eyes narrow and I grit my teeth whenever I see other people it's like you're the last thing I want to see when I'm out fly fishing um but this this guy and others too that I that I haven't mentioned in the book or really anywhere but they slowly they slowly whittle away at that you know sort of rock shell that I tend to put up and Yeah. yeah they I mean I have yet to meet a bad who I feel is a bad person on it you know fly fishing so yeah same here I feel you I feel you um okay and you mentioned you had another cool story yeah um so let's see i mean the book's full of good up. stories but these are, these are your favorites. <laughs> I, I like to think it is right yeah. but mm-hmm. chapter 10 when i die tell my wife to blame jeremy wade i feel like that's a pretty good one um because of course you know river jeremy monsters wade. and yep. jeremy yeah. wade i loved that show growing up and yeah that's kind of what i attribute my obsessiveness with fishing to is just watching this guy do literally anything for for the sake of a fish like it it put it on the order of like being a higher calling or something Mm -hmm. to me um i'm like people have careers that they don't give this much effort to you know like (laughs) stuff they've worked they've worked their whole lives for that they don't care about as much as this guy cares about fish Mm -hmm. um and so that's really what started my obsession i feel like and um in the story i i seek out uh what what I and biologists think is the northernmost population of rainbow trout, um, certainly in the continent, maybe in the world. I mean, there might be some rainbows in uh, in Kamchatka that that are slightly farther north, but we'll just say it's northernmost in the world. Yeah. Um, and anyway, you can either get there by floating, um, by doing a like five or six day float trip, and floating down the river that these rainbows are in, or you can make uh, you have a few options to hike in. Um, one of them is like a four-wheeler trail that tends to get, you know, hammered a little more. But then the other one, it's only a winter trail or it's only recommended for winter use because it's basically a swamp, like right. six miles of hiking through swamp. Um, and I thought, well, I'm less likely to encounter other people and this is going to get me where I need to go. So this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And and so I did, I did the six-mile each way hike through swamp and it was as bad as you would imagine it was it was like hip deep in muskeg for most of the way and you know i just brought a pair of shoes that i was planning on trashing anyway yeah um but bringing all your gear in with you you know and um mosquitoes just awful mosquitoes and and 2020 2020 was a particularly bad skeeter year as it was but they were just yeah it was it was to the point where you can see how someone could die by mosquito out here if you're not you know prepared i believe it um i believe that (laughs) yeah and and prior to that i was kind of thinking about my idea and i'm like am i stupid for doing this like is this just going to be 
a big waste of my time is this gonna you know be a failure yeah and then i just thought what would jeremy wade do and it's like he'd go so i'm going you know oh yeah uh, yeah 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 because i mean he's been in he's been in a plane crash he's been arrested as like a spy he's gotten malaria almost died from malaria like it's a maniac stuff he's a maniac the stuff i have to contend with is is paltry compared to that so but um, you said less people but are there grizzlies in that area is that oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, uh, being Mitch. hit deep in muskeg and a grizzly comes around the corner. Like, yeah. Yeah. Freaky. That was the other, that was the other thing was, was bears. So yeah, I brought, I didn't have, I didn't have a firearm at the time or a pistol at the time. Yeah. And so I bothered my, <laughs> borrowed my father-in-law's 45. Um, oh, wow. and I had that with bear spray, you know, it made me a little more confident going in, but yeah. still it's like, it doesn't matter if you have bear spray or even like a bazooka, because in that kind of territory like you're not gonna have time to get it out anyway exactly um yeah so it was it might have been it might have been stupid but it was worth it like i found the trout i i went there for and had a pretty pretty awesome experience with them because it's it's in a it's in a series of pretty pretty intense rapids yeah um in fact all the rafters they have to portage around that spot when they do that float trip but um the sockeye smolt you know the baby sockeyes like they're making their out migration at that point and um i just managed to time it right to where the the trout were just feeding voraciously on all these sockeye smolt and like within the white water so you're like fly casting to just the little pillows behind these gigantic boulders and yeah. your flies in there for maybe a second before it's whipped out um yeah, exactly. so it was super challenging oh, fishing shit. but it was it was rewarding i caught caught some beautiful rainbows so that's i mean that sounds worth it to me like yeah sure you might get eaten by a bear but that's the adventure and you know what exactly you gotta go you gotta go you have to go yeah you know yeah so that one yeah that was one of those ones where i was glad i did it and i was glad that it turned out totally different than i expected it to you know that's awesome i love it so yeah sick man well i you know what like i said uh, we haven't read the book eye. yet, and uh, sorry, because <laughs> like usually sorry. we like to read yeah. before people want, so we can talk about the stories. But it's been cool, like getting to just kind of hear it from uh, you know, like yeah. almost a naive blank perspective. Um, and now I'm, I'm go, giving you all the spoilers. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go read it now, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna know kind of a bit more context of uh, you know your favorite stories and whatnot. But it sounds yeah. like a really cool book, and I mean, it's a great idea. I love the thought and the idea, and um, yeah. So I mean. It's a great idea. Thanks for yeah. chatting about it. But now we've got Mitchie's Fishes 5. Well, already? Is, it's yeah. been an hour already? Oh. I know. It's already been 45 minutes. <laughs> but these are five questions we ask every guest uh, at the end of the show. Um, and uh, same five questions we ask every guest. So we're going to ask you them now. Um, okay. And uh, we're going to start with, what is your favorite fish and why? Mm. If you had to pick a favorite fish, what would it be? Yeah, geez, that's a tough one. I feel like it w- should be easy, but it's not. Um... I'm just going to say grayling. I mean, that's, like I said, they're kind of the bread and butter. They're kind of what I go to when I'm feeling down about other fish. Like when I spend three days fishing basically nonstop for king salmon and I hook one fish and only to lose it, like grayling are are what I go to to pick me back up. I love it. Um, And yeah, in my opinion, there's really not a better summer day spent um, than one spent on a grayling stream, like just being able to get in the water with like a pair of hip boots and and yeah. dry fly fish for grayling just go to your heart's content because you they're easy right like they're 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 pretty forgiving and pretty willing and for eager. the most part they're they cough up their you know their old challenging 
wily fish every just often enough to make it interesting you know yes yeah um where they need they need the perfect cast the perfect fly the perfect men the perfect drift like they need all that and then yeah you can go and catch like 20 fish that are pretty obliging after that see i like that guys yeah i like that you have to be cautious of or conscious of your presentation like that just makes it that much more challenging and and worth it It sometimes yeah Oh yeah. yeah. Dry fly? Yeah. Oh my god. It's like the best yeah, it's great. some of that. I mean we spay fishing for sure, but dry fly fishing is like so fun, you know. Like it's pretty yeah. hard to beat that. Yeah. Those yeah. kinds of nights, you know, like on the river, nice weather and you just have fish. Perfect dress. Like, it's not dragging. Grey leg are cool, yeah. man. They're yeah. so beautiful. Like I know Yilma has been talking about one oh, yeah. for years and I feel the same way. Like they're so they're so cool looking, you know. So yeah. I get it. I get they're it. cool fish. Well, if you ever get a if you ever get the idea to come catch some, let me know. I can I think show we, you some pretty awesome grayling spots. I so. think we definitely need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Alaska's Alaska's just one of those places. Like it's like I think I feel like everybody that's into the outdoors in some capacity is like, well, I gotta go to Alaska one day. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of that way. It's coming for sure. Um, okay, number two is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, uh, assuming it's the best, gonna be the best fishing ever, best season, best time to go. Where would yeah. you go and why? Uh, I would probably go to the Rio Grande on Tierra del Fuego right now. Yeah. Nice. I love it, man. Good night. Be, yeah. And I mean, it's perfect timing too, right? Because, I mean, that's happening right now. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one, That's a hell of a bucket list trip, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. That would be so cool. Yeah. One of my one of my buddies mentioned in Chapter 17 of the book, he's, he's done that. That's, yeah, the pictures he showed me are pretty amazing. Actually, that's kind of how I met him. He... He was on a podcast that I was helping produce, and yeah. he sent he sent some pictures in his email. Like, just got back from Argentina. It's like Excuse only me. a only a hardcore dedicated fly angler would know to go there. Totally. So I want to get I want to know you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool, man. It's a good way to meet somebody. Um, okay, I love it. Number three is what is one of your best or favorite fishing memories mm. of all time? Uh, probably a trip I took with one of my best friends ryan this past may okay uh we went down to it was an assignment for fly fisherman magazine actually one of my first big magazine assignments which was pretty cool in itself like a goal i'd been shooting for for a while um but it was down there on the on the sea tech river um in southeast alaska for steelhead um and he he's probably the most hardcore fly angler i've ever met which is kind of why i hang out with him because he like challenges me every time we fish together yeah um but we we went down there for a week and um it was hard fishing at first i mean you know steelhead like they're mm-hmm. they're obliging some days and and oh, yeah. totally ignoring you the next um and it was exactly like that i mean but it but it was like it built like a perfect story it, the like the quality of the fishing built every single day until the last day and it was like bluebird skies and i caught the biggest steelhead almost biggest fish in my life that day um and uh it, ju- it was just perfect like yeah oh, man. the challenge then surmounting the challenge and having having like that climactic moment everything every i like, couldn't have written it better you know yeah yeah it's like a perfect perfect story to live yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then my my buddy ryan he got he got a pretty amazing fish a couple hours afterwards so it nice. yeah that's a good day. Yeah. yeah it was damn. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, number four, Mitch's Fishies 5, is why do you fly fish? Why do you bother doing it at all? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, because I, I love fish, obviously, and I love the environments that they live in, but I think the draw with fly fishing is that it's imposing even more challenges on yourself than you would otherwise. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same reason I like bird hunting, you know, like wing shooting. You're not you're not just shooting something on the ground. You're, right. you're taking that extra challenge to attain to attain the thing. Um, and I like that about fly fishing. And I also like that there are just so many layers to it. You know, yeah. if you want to, if you want to be the hardcore spay angler that knows, you know, the grain size of all the different heads totally. you can put on your, on your spay mm-hmm. line, like you can do that. But if you want to be the guy that just picks up a flyer out at Bass Pro and goes out there and, you know, catches, catches stock trout on, on dry flies, like you can do that too. Like it's, it's really limitless in how far you want to take it and how yeah. obsessed you want to get with it so totally no it is like there's so many not to say i mean you know like spin fishing it's i, I don't do enough spin fishing i mean i fish with a couple spin anglers once in a while and they're like yeah. pretty dialed but you know it's a little yeah it's much more you got you got your rod and your line and your lure you know and it's kind of like yeah. it's basically it you know like mm-hmm. unless you're shane <laughs> well if you're yeah if you're doing surf fishing or if you're you know you're yeah. getting really specific but yeah, yeah, something about fly. Like, there's so you're right. There's so many, and then depending mm. on the species, it changes completely. You know, or like yeah. the water body. You know, so it's true. It is a cool Absolutely. layered thing. I like that. Even more yeah. layered if you're spay I, fishing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was. I was just gonna say. I think it makes you more in tune with like the water you're fishing too. Like you have yeah. to be more aware of. You have to be far more aware of like what the current's doing and what the you know underwater topography. I feel like. Yeah. looks like if you're gonna have a good presentation and i 100%. i really like getting getting in tune with that yeah 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 absolutely yeah and like yeah and like and a lot of the time too well maybe some people can but i can't cast far as far as i can spin cast you know so it's like you gotta right. really yeah. know the lake or the river or whatever so you can you know actually have any shot of catching fish so yeah just no kidding fly fishing's yeah it's cool in that way um okay number five which is fishes five the favorite is what fly pattern represents you best and why if you were a fly what if would i was be? a fly yeah. uh <laughs> that's a good one yeah that's a it's a tricky one uh, the, the this one stumps a lot of people we've had a lot of woolly buggers uh, woolly buggers yeah. wrong with that <laughs> but nothing wrong with that yeah <laughs> can, can i you, can i make it one of my own flies of course you can oh, absolutely. Yeah. you do whatever what is, you want what okay yeah. okay so the fly is called the deaf leopard um <laughs> and it's it's actually the, the, the my go to my go to kingfly, which I'm I'm concerning myself with now is tying these deaf leopards. Yeah. Uh, the reason I compare myself to them is that they're so unnecessarily complicated. Um, <laughs> it takes me like an hour and a half to tie each one. Yeah. Um, but when it gets done, I just love it. Like I, even if I don't catch any fish on it, I just love casting that thing. And yeah, I love the idea that it's down there. And if something wants to grab it, they can. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's cool. That being said, it has proven pretty effective so far. That's cool. Um, so it's like your own pattern. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's based. It's based a lot off of uh, like Jeff Hickman's fish taco, um, and then uh, what else did I base it off of? There's a local fly tire here in Anchorage. Yeah. Um, he ties something called the Avenger. Okay. It's kind of based off of that with like a. It's mostly like flashaboo and and ostrich kind yep. of in the back, articulated hook, and then. It's got various layers of like schwappen and um, chenille as as props, you know, and then it's got a rabbit hair, rabbit hair collar. Okay. Um, 
with some jungle cock and some squirrel mixed in there as well. But, wow, what a what a fly! Yeah, very deaf leopard. Yeah, it's, very deaf leopard. It's, yeah, very rock, make very rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> make it as colorful as you want. Yeah, I love it. Well, yeah. you got to send us a picture of one of these because uh, we should okay. post it on Instagram because that sounds pretty cool. Um, I'll, I'll do that. I'll send you a picture of the yeah. latest and greatest deaf leopard. I like that deaf leopard, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I dig it, man. That's cool. Uh, Joseph, man, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the book and Alaska yeah. and your fishing life and. You know everything else. I'm sure we could we could talk for hours about just all the different aspects of fishing out in Alaska and, and what you're up to. But um, what do you got coming up? You know, next. What are you What are you looking forward to? I mean, I know your time flies for kings and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually working on my next book. Yeah. Um, almost got that done. That I I have no idea how uh, far out that one's going to be in terms of getting published. But hoping hoping for 2024. It might be early 2025. But. It's in a similar vein. I mean, it kind of follows stories throughout my throughout my life that are centered around uh, just getting up early to be in the outdoors. Yep. Um, so there's like some bird hunting in there. It's mostly fly fishing, though, of course. So yeah. um, excited to finish that up. Um, then yeah, spay fishing for kings, and then uh, I don't know. We'll just I trying to keep the summers open ended, especially after writing. Yeah. You know, this book just letting things happen. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Where That's can great. people find this book? And, uh, you know, kind of a uh, little shameless plug time. How can people kind of find yeah. you, what you're doing, all that stuff? Love shameless plug time. Yeah, oh, yeah. so you can get the book. Uh, it's only fishing on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Target, virtually anywhere you want to online. Um, otherwise, my website is, uh, and I'll send this to you guys too, obviously, but yep. uh, Joseph josephdjacksonwriter.com. Okay. And then my instagram handle which is the only thing i really do the instagram handle is save a worm underscore fish a fly nice right on that's there you great. go there's another <laughs> book title right there yeah that's a book exactly. title yeah, yeah. Love save that. those worms save those worms man you know those poor worms yeah. they've they've suffered yeah. for too long <laughs> yeah <laughs> they have i love it man well we'll put links yeah. to all that stuff in the show notes too and uh so people can Sweet. find it but um yeah. yeah thanks again for coming on joseph it was uh it was really great to to chat and uh we appreciate you taking the time yeah, same guys. Like I said, I've been a been an avid listener and uh, appreciate being able to to be on. Um, it was fun chatting with you guys. Likewise, awesome. sweet. Thanks, man. Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. You know, Chums, the company that makes those can't live without them straps that keep your sunglasses on your melon. Believe it or not, Chums has been around for 40 years making top-notch outdoor accessories for all the guides, river rats, and weekend warriors out there. Chums got their start in southern Utah back in 1983 when a guide on the Colorado River invented their now-famous original cotton eyewear retainer. Chums still makes many of its products in Utah, and everything they produce is designed to help you hang on to the gear you value most. Head to chums.com to explore a wide range of products, including wallets, roll-top dry bags, waste packs, dry sacks for your phone, and of course, glasses, retainers, and all kinds of wicked styles. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing gear, which means we never have to worry about our sunglasses or phones sinking to the murky depths of the waters we love to fish. Head to chums.com to check out their full lineup of outdoor accessories. That's chums.com. Best fishing story ever with Tim Camisa. I'll tell you my best fly fishing story uh, that involved trout slash char. I will go down that path. Um, I love to fly fish in Iceland. It's just been one of these things that I've been doing for 
five or six years. Uh, I started off going out like one week a year, then it was two weeks. Now I'm up to three weeks a year. Uh, you know, so I'm super lucky. I, I, I host trips out there. My wife likes to fish there. Like I have lots of friends there now. So I go there a lot. And my first year there though, I went there kind of with the, the bucket list fish being an ice age brown trout and an Arctic char. I, that's just what I wanted because I, I just thought like, you know, when you go there and you see these images, the brown trout just looks spectacular. They just look so fresh and just spotted up. And then to, to grab an Arctic char and just hold it upside down, look at that like underbelly. And I'm a Pennsylvania guy. So whenever I think about char, like our state fish is the brook trout. So like I got to get this done. So um, we, we go over to Iceland, we fly over, we anticipate that first day being kind of like a, just going to hang out you know, tour Reykjavik kind of thing. And our guide is like, listen, you got here early. There's an opening on this little lake. We have a chance to catch these, these ice age brown trout. Are you guys in? We're like, absolutely. So we're starving though. We, you know, we took the red eye. So he's like, listen, I got this great spot to take you guys. We pull into this, it looks like a BP gas station slash Quiznos. We, we, we order Quiznos. I'm the, that ugly American. I have no idea, you know, how to order anything. I'm just the one pointing at all the sandwich pictures. We just, just scarf down this food as fast as we can. And we end up on this lake with like 40 mile an hour winds. So I grab an eight weight of all my rods to chase these brown trucks. I knew they were going to be large. And in my mind, this was like a fish that you're going to have to just hunt. You're going to have to cast for, you're going to have to stalk. And I made some connections back to, you know, fly fishing for striped bass in Pennsylvania. So I started fishing kind of along the edge and I would cast either with or against the, the wind and just kind of hit these like little break points where I th thought that these brown trout would be attacking prey. And, you know, I'm not even there for a half an hour, Mitch. And I make this cast, a giant articulated streamer. And this brown trout comes out, just nails it. Um, puts up a battle, just jumps off, like everything, just picture book, just everything it should be. The, there was a buddy of mine there, Harrison Hughes. He lands his fish as the camera's rolling. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I could have literally flown back to Iceland at that moment. So here I am, like, we're like a half an hour fishing. I got my Ice Age brown trout. I'm like, wow, like, this is easy. This is what it's supposed to be like, which by the way, it's not. So we, you know, we kind of finished fishing there my, my, another one of my buddies catches another brown trout. Like we, we just had a wonderful first day. We head back to the lodge and, and I'm kind of, you know, just tired after that red eye. And we're sitting there relaxing and it has a real European vibe in these lodges in Iceland. So you're kind of intimate with everybody else, but there is a kitchen area slash dining room slash living room. You know, the, the, all those spaces are comfortable enough. And as we're sitting there, I'm just scrolling on my phone, looking at pictures on Instagram of all places. And I see this picture of my buddy, Chris Hansen. Chris is a Western fly fisher in the United States, and he had posted this picture of this like stunning Arctic char. So I say jokingly to the, the co-owner slash guide of mine the next day, his name is Sindri. I'm like, Sindri, I want to catch a fish like this. And Sindri like kind of gives me this weird look and, and I could not figure out why it was just so just puzzled. And he's like, Tim, that's Chris. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know Chris. He's like, he was here two weeks ago. He caught that fish where we're going tomorrow. I'm like, oh my gosh, like the fish gods are just like, they're looking down on me. So um, we, you know, I go to sleep kind of thinking about this Arctic char. I'm, in my mind, it's already caught. Like I can already see myself posting this picture on Instagram. Like it's done. So we get to this just absolutely stunning waterfall. I have this great footage where we're kind of looking at it from up above. It drops straight down. The water is just this really cold, grayish blue, just, just stunning. And it goes downstream and it eventually kind of takes a hard left-hand turn, a hard 90-degree turn. And then there's this giant pool that's about maybe 45, 60 feet long. I mean, we, it's a really 
long pool, very deep, upwards of seven to 10 feet deep in, in sections of it. So, um, you know, we, we're trying to decide who gets first cast. We pay, play the game rock, paper, scissors, and I get first cast. So, I, you know, I, I put on like my Pennsylvania flies. I'm like, put on like a waltz worm, a little, um, not a zebra midge, but something kind of similar, like a bluing olive imitation, even though there's, there's no bluing olives over there that I believe I'm representing. But I just know that they're char, there's trout in here, they're gonna eat it. These are just flies that work all over. So I hang them under a little bit of indicator, just heave this cast as far as I can, make two or three casts, hook up. I'm like, nice, like I'm on, like land an Arctic char. By no means was this like a huge one. It was just, a, it was a small one. It was nice. I was like, oh, cool, I caught my Arctic char. So um, I'm like in heaven, I'm a beautiful little fish. I was really happy. It was uh, my buddy's turn and our friend Tate Cunningham, he's the vice president of Moonshine Rods. He'd made the trip with us to that first journey to Iceland and it was his turn to get up there. So he kind of gets in casting position and he's just an absolute beautiful caster. I mean, he's one of those guys that just throws loops that you just wish you could throw. So he's making these wonderful casts, but for some reason he didn't hook up right away. So he's casting and drifting, casting and drifting. And we're not really sure why, but we knew he was gonna get his fish. And all the time he's casting, I'm kind of like peering down the bottom of the pool and I just see this monster char and I'm like, oh my God, like there's my fish. So I'm praying like no one else sees it, even though I'm kind of, you know, we're helping each other. And right then like Tate hooks up, he lands char, everything's good. We get a couple pictures and they're like, Tim, you're back up. And I'm like, hey, I spotted a really big one. I'm gonna go after this fish. And they're like, cool, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I'm gonna put on this, this it's a, 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 I tell them I'm gonna put on this articulated streamer that worked for me yesterday. I have another color combo that, that I think is really well. It's a streamer called the Double Play. I'm like, I'm gonna put that on uh, and I'm gonna catch this fish. I'm gonna let this go the whole way to the bottom, uh, keep a really low rod angle, uh, do a nice little figure eight retrieve, strip set when it comes, like this is gonna be game over. Like this fish, like this is mine, Mitch. Like this is like the double I'm waiting for, my big brown trout and this beautiful char. So I quickly, like as quick as I can, I open my fly box, grab a fly, tie it on, don't even check my knot. I'm just ready to catch this fish. So I, um, I make it a nice cast and it's a really deep spot. So this is around like the 10 foot section. So my fly, you know, enters the water, just starts going down. So it starts settling closer and closer to the bottom. I look up and on the cliff is Sindri. He's my guide. He's kind of spotting things. And he's like, all right, you, your fly's getting close. It's getting close. And uh, he yells, all right, start, start your, your strip retrieve. So I'm just doing a real slow figure eight. And just then he's like, the fish is moving. The fish is coming over. The fish is inspecting. And it's like, I'm getting this play by play. I'm like, awesome. And just then like, I can just feel something coming through my line. And I just, just go crazy. Like strip set, strip set, strip set. And I'm one of these people that whenever, you know, I hear others that say they fish streamers and they only hook up a certain percent of the time. Like my, my personal opinion on that is that's BS. I, I think people just kind of either they're, they're not really going with the full strip set. They're not strip setting until it comes tight. Maybe they're doing, you know, raising their rod a little bit, or maybe they have, depending on, you know, what hooks are legally allowed. Maybe you have your hook in the rear um, and the fish is striking up front or opposite. But in this case, I was fishing a streamer that had two hooks. I had a solid strip set, like this fish is over. So I strip set around four or five times. It's right when it's supposed to come tight, it kind of comes tight and then just nothing. And I know immediately at that point, like the fish is gone. I'm like, I just, I'm pulling and pulling and I, I never even raise my rod tip. I'm like, I, I just know something's not right. I'm, I'm praying like the fish is gonna come back. And I'm like so dejected. I'm, I'm getting my stuff in, I'm pulling my line, pulling my leader, getting close to the fly and I can feel the fly on the end. So I'm like, I can't believe that this fish was tight. I did everything by the book. 
and I lost this fish. But just then the fly pops out of the water, I grab it out of the air and I look at it and I only have the front half of my, my articulated streamer still tied on. We can literally look down in this crystal clear pool. We can see the fish and the rear of my streamer is sticking in its mouth. I'm like absolutely just sick to my stomach because if I would have taken just five seconds, whenever I had tied that fly on, if I would have checked my knot and then just grabbed the hold of both of the hooks and pulled, it would have come across, come apart in my hand. I think what happened, that was one of my early designs of that fly. And in that design, I was going with fly line backing as my connector material because it just gives that fly so much movement. But the downside is that had been one of my prototype flies. I had fished it a ton in the Eastern United States. That exact fly caught a ton of fish on it. And I think that fly line backing dry rotted. So here we all are, like they're just kind of patting me on the back, like, hey, we're gonna catch more of these, looking down in at my fish, which is hooked by my fly, yet kind of taunting me in a sense. And I'll even tell you this part of the story that after I you know, lost that fish, I cut the fly off, the front of the fly, put it in my fly vest in like one of those little zippered pockets you never really see. And I couldn't look at that pocket. I couldn't get that fly out for over a month after I got back to the United States. In fact, there was a, a group in, in Western Pennsylvania that wanted me to speak and give an Iceland presentation. And I needed a picture of that fly, but I just hadn't looked at it all that time. And they wanted to hear the story. And, and I was like, gosh, I, I can't even take this fly out. But I grabbed it just for that moment, took a picture, and I couldn't tell you to this day where that fly even resides because I put it somewhere and I was like, I never want to see that again. However, I've never tied an articulated streamer with fly line backing since that day. I've kind of gone on to another material. So that is kind of the story of the Arctic char that you know will probably continue to haunt me until I catch another one of that size. Well, welcome back. That was uh, welcome a great interview with Joseph Jackson. He's a very nice fella. Um, yeah. Really like Joseph. Really nice. Um, yeah. Got to read his book. I hate, I hate, I hate not reading the book before we have a guest on. But I know. That's schedules. That's not like just you. lined up this way, you know, like we had to kind of get yeah. the show uh, recorded and, but, uh, and Aldo had the book. So Aldo's read it, but he's in Mexico. Aldo, how was it? Was it a good book? Yeah. I'm gonna read it now, and uh, Idis has got it, so he's he's checking it out, and then I'm gonna yeah. grab it from him because he. I read I read a paragraph. I'm just not a really good reader, but I have it on my phone. Well, that's good. <laughs> give it a give it a flip. Give it a read because it sounds like a really cool book. I love the idea of just yeah, like the stories over the pandemic. That's super cool. Yes. You know, Alaska sounds super like a cool. pretty wicked fishery. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was really cool, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, hopefully y'all enjoyed that best fishing story ever too. It was from uh, I don't know who's gonna go into this episode, but whoever it was, hopefully you liked it. I'm um, sure it was great. Um, Yilma, how's it going, baby? It's pretty good. Um, gearing up for our trout opener event oh, next Friday. Yes, very yeah. nice. Yes. So I'm excited for that, and the posters are ready, and I have to do you know. I gotta send a couple you. More. I gotta send you some stuff, don't I? You do, you do, and um, that's okay. I'm fast. Well, April 14th, um, yeah, that's when the party is, right? April 14th, of course, this yeah. episode is coming out on the 15th, so we're promoing something that's already happened. But <laughs> just realizing yeah. that now. Oh. But hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully you came out. Hopefully you came out to the party, and hopefully it was good, and uh, and it was uh, it was a fun uh, it was a fun time. Thanks for coming out if you did. But um, yeah, just so yeah. everyone listening, we obviously do something called SOTO, Southern Ontario Tread Opener Social. It's to 
raise money for our local river here that we love the credit river which is in need of lots of love um and the money uh, from the yeah. event goes towards uh coalition for the west credit river and uh so we did that event last night at uh, in toronto and uh geez we had prizes we gave away and we had an auction and we did mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff so yeah, hopefully it was good uh thanks to you for coming out <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to that too it's gonna be fun y'all it's gonna be fun yeah and then of course well what else is new with your life huh nothing much you know it's just you know excited for trout opener and uh excited for all the other more water species that are going to be coming i bought a motorcycle yesterday oh okay (laughs) (laughs) that's so sick though tell us about that is pretty sick sick you know did you just wake up on like a wednesday and you're like i want to buy a bike (laughs) and it just happened well i've always wanted to uh have a motorcycle and um i've been thinking about it for years and then now that i'm working for um brp um mm-hmm. i was like well this is the best time to get it because i gotta go ride some some of their products you know they're they're coming out with all kinds of fun exactly. stuff so i gotta go test drive those and get to know them how am i gonna market them if i've never ridden one so i was like you know what i should just exactly. get it get my license now yep and so i did it and then um and then yeah like uh i uh thing with bikes and you know recreational motorsport products is they're going really fast <laughs> off the shelves there's uh there's all kinds of like, you know, um, stock issues, supply issues, things like that. So I was like, ah, I called like yeah. the dealership here. They're like, yeah, we got a couple, but some people already got some deposits down. I'm like, ah. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, was like ah. I know. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're just bullshitting me. But also like I went to a dealership in Ottawa and they only had one and all there was like a sea of bikes that were sold. I was like, holy shit. So I was like, you know what? I know I, I know I want it. So I'm just like, put me down, baby. Here's my money. Um, yeah. I bought a, a this is a, I hear it's a good first bike to get if you like I want a cruiser style bike I hear it's a good first bike a Honda Rebel 500 black um, I hear it's a good bike and I sat on one and I was like yeah this feels awesome it's low I'm a short guy um, yeah it's gonna be sick man and it looks cooler when it's low and the cruisers are yeah I like cruisers I think they're cool I mean like I like adventure bikes too like talking to Joseph about Alaska like how cool would it be to get a couple bikes and like do that trip with some fly rods and stop along the way and fish rivers, you know, through Anchorage all the way to Prudhoe Bay, like just adventure bike down the Dalton highway, stop at rivers. And that'd be crazy. That'd be so fun. And that would be an epic. I'll get my license and rent with, rent one with you and join you. Yeah. You can always, you can always do that. Like you can always just get licensed and then we can, and then we can do that. You know, we can, we can, you know, I ride a Vespa pretty well. It's good. I mean, I feel like, yeah, the Alaska trip probably, (laughs) No, I feel, I, I'm sure you, you know. Obviously, this type of thing you need to practice a little bit, but um, yeah, that would be a cool trip. Even if we didn't do it on bikes, like, but just fishing along the way, stay in an RV or something. Like, damn, like Alaska looks really beautiful, really amazing. Yeah, totally. So yeah, that's kind of like uh, new for me, baby. I'm motorcycle, and then obviously we're looking forward <laughs> to fishing season. Of course, trout's trout's coming now. We've done the trout opener, which signifies another beautiful season of trout fishing here in Ontario. Oh my God. Thank God we're alive for another year of this wonderful magic majesty. Absolutely. Um, majesty. Yes. I got all my trout flies ready. Yelma, you got trout flies ready? Or are you just going to be uh, borrowing off of me and eh? your buddy Mitch? Eh? I'm just sporing off of you. Adis, <laughs> Adis and, uh, That's okay. I don't mind. Hold on. <laughs> I've got a shitload of flies. Like I bought, I've just yeah. bought, I haven't tied a lot of flies cause I've just, I don't know. I'm just not, love tying but i'm just not really a big tire these days but 
I bought a ton of dry mm-hmm. flies from Rio. Um, they've got some really nice, nice stuff. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just like, my boxes are stocked, stocked with dries. Yeah. And I've got some nymphs yeah. in there too. You know, I just, I need a like new maniac. Well, you know that I need a new trout reel and a new, some new line. So I got oh, to, I got to get, yeah, I got to get one. Uh, I'm not trying to no, say you don't need one. I'm just saying, like, I thought you bought one last no. year. Didn't you buy like a really nice sage rod last year. Yeah, yeah, that's from my um, my streamer setup. But um, you know, I need a, I need a, I need something for my. Why don't you get a bamboo rod? Well, I have my butter, I have my butter stick, and I have like a nice reddington setup. Yep. you know, yeah, you for, got a for that stick, as yeah. well. I, I want more, Mitch. You, you know, want more rods. I want more. I get yeah, that. That's fine. That's totally fine. The butter stick is yeah. sick. It's an awesome rod. It is sick. But I'm yeah. totally with you. Like, uh, you should get a bamboo rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe I'll, I'll uh, you know, who okay, knows so, what happened well, yeah. because this is the night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we auctioned off. Maybe I did, but I mean, we probably auctioned it off. I'm still kind of confused if that's how we're going to do that because it's like a fifteen hundred dollar rod. Like it's a really nice bamboo rod. <laughs> it's like I don't know yeah. if someone's gonna at the event's gonna be like, yeah, I'll put down a thousand bucks, you know. But I don't know. We're gonna see what what she went for. But it's a beautiful bamboo rod built by James Bond. I'm. 100 percent i'm bidding for sure it's a sick rod it's a four weight hey bamboo rod built by james bond money donated goes from to TU. good cause yeah. oh yeah it all goes exactly. yeah to you so. you donated it to us it was their rod that J- james gave them and they donated to the cause so that we could uh use it to raise more cash to help the the effort to save the credit um so whoever got that rod is very lucky it's a beautiful beautiful rod and uh yeah Hopefully it was you, sure. Yoma. I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for you. <laughs> shout out you know? to James Bond for sure. Oh, big time! Shout out to James Bond, Bamboo Master. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah he's um, great. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'm gonna go make some dinner, and uh, I don't know, go lay on the floor and annoy Steph. Okay. Um, well, I'm gonna finish uh, finish up Demisha's uh, design that I need to get done for, her, and nice. then uh, spend some Easter dinner with my sister tomorrow. Oh, there you go. It's a fame. That's cool, man. That's cool. Okay, well, um, okay. Good to see you. And uh, Joseph Jackson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Aldo, hope you're having fun in Mexico. Idis, I'll see you soon because you live downstairs. Everybody at home, (laughs) thank you so much for listening. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you have a fantastic week. (laughs) See you later. Bye. That's it for me, Mitch. Yoma? See you. See you, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I always mess that up. You can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Crew. Thanks for listening.